call us to obey you, and you favor us with true freedom. Keep us faithful to the ways of your Son, that, leaving behind all that hinders us, we may steadfastly follow your path. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. may be seated. The scripture lessons for today, the first lesson is Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through 10. Now Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not, I say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall not, and you shall speak whenever, whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over our nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Word of God, word of life. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. The fourth chapter, verses 21 through 30. Glory to you, O Lord. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did in Capernaum. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah When the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land, yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to the widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up and drove him out of town and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through their midst, through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. May be seated. (laughs) 
So this morning my message is going to center on the, re- the reading from Jeremiah that George Ann read for us, pretty much. <laughs> um, I used some other scripture down the way to, to uh, enhance what it says. But it was it, that story from Jeremiah is about Jeremiah's call. Jeremiah's call to become a prophet. Listen again to a portion of that reading. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to me. Before I knew you, in the womb I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to Jeremiah, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck down and to pull up, to destroy and to overthrow to build and to plant. You see, the down and dirty here is that Jeremiah is discovering that God has a different plan for his life than even Jeremiah is aware of. God is telling Jeremiah that Jeremiah was predestined to become a prophet. Sorry for the Presbyterian word there. Predestined, in other words, before Jeremiah realized he was to become a prophet, God already knew he would become a prophet. And not only that, God says to Jeremiah, even if you don't think you're a public speaker, or you're a teacher, or you're a decision maker, or you're a worker bee, or you like to work in the wherever you like to work, Someone comfortable in front of people. God tells Jeremiah that is who you will become. God says to Jeremiah, I have put my words in your mouth, not just any words, my words on your lips. That sounds like a pretty heavy responsibility, doesn't it? It's part of what happens, it's part of what it means to listen to God's call. To listen for God's call. To answer God's call to serve in whatever way we feel called And then, once we have accepted that call, it becomes our responsibility to take that call very seriously. The call to serve the church in many ways is so much more than just serving on a committee or board. You're serving God when you're serving on that board. I'm not saying that it's not important to serve on the committee. Don't get me wrong. It's important to serve on the committee, but it's important to know why you're serving on the committee. And to know why is to know how you're serving God. And too often we lose sight of that part. I have to add here quickly that it's more than just those of us with REV before our name that are called. Each one of us is called, called to that which God is challenging us to be and become. Sometimes it seems easy to answer. Other times it it seems impossible to believe that we could ever do anything like that. But those, especially those times, are when we need to listen to or heed that call. And then, in the midst of that serving, serving the risen and redeeming Lord, there will be times, and there are times, when it becomes too much. Too much to take, too much to understand, too much to figure out, too much to handle, too much to cope with. You know what I mean, just too much. When the weight of the world all seems to be on your shoulders, are you with me, church? 
That is when, that is precisely the time when we're implored to call on the Lord to pray. It's part of our bigger call. To ask the Lord for some help or assistance, some relief, even if the relief only comes in the form of relief through the speaking of the prayer itself or asking someone to pray for and to pray for you when you can't or praying for something that you want or need more than anything, but you cannot bring yourself to pray for it. A short story, I think some of you have heard me tell a story about two of my seminary classmates Husband and wife, both pastors. Uh, Chris is about six foot four, and um, his his wife is uh, literally about five four eleven. Um, they are, their son was born. Now he's nine years old. He was born, and almost immediately they were told that he needed to have a heart transplant as a baby, a little tiny baby. So we had people, people of the, friends of theirs praying all over the country and all over the world for this to happen. Um, the wonderful thing was is that they happened to live in Durham, North Carolina, and the Duke University Medical Center happens to be there, which happens to be one of the finest medical institutions in this country. So the child was fortunate in that way first to, to be there. But the most amazing thing happened the transplant. He had a successful transplant and I'll skip to the end and tell you he's wonderfully healthy nine-year-old boy who does everything that nine-year-old boys do except that he has to have a catheterization every year to make sure his body isn't rejecting his heart. But we had one of those update things, Caring Bridge, where you can follow online the progress or the, the things that are going on in the medical experience of that individual. And his mom regularly updated that so Carrie one day posts this post it was the one year anniversary of Ethan's transplant and she told us she thanked all of us for praying for a new heart for her son because she bravely admitted to all of us that she couldn't pray for that for her son because she knew that if she prayed for that for her son, that somebody else's baby had to die for her to get that. And she knew that all these other people around the world were praying for that. So she relied on us. She had faith in God, but she also had faith in her fellow Christians all over the world of all kinds of denominations and backgrounds and all of that that were praying for her child to get a heart. And guess what happened? He got the heart. He survived. He he and his mother now raise money for the pediatric um, clinic um, at Duke um, on a big, large scale. They they do all these big, fancy fundraisers and eat, and, and their son is a speaker and all those kinds of things. But all that was made possible because Carrie couldn't pray. Carrie was brave enough to admit that to us, to rely on her. So how often do we rely on each other in that same way? It's not always an easy thing to do, and it certainly isn't an easy thing to to admit. So listen now to the verses from Psalm 71. The spiritual theologian Eugene Peterson provides an amazing translation of this psalm in the message. It gets to the very core that so many of us need to hear so desperately. Listen with new ears to this wisdom from the psalmist. I run for dear life to God. 
I'll never live to regret it. Do what you do so well. Get me out of this mess and up on my feet. Put your ear to the ground and listen. Give me space for salvation. Be a guest room where I can retreat. You said your door was always opened. You're my salvation, my vast granite fortress. My God, free me from the grip of, the, of wicked, from the clutch of bad and bully. You keep me going when times are tough. My bedrock, God, since my childhood. I've hung on you from the day of my birth, the day you took me from the cradle. Now get this part. I never run out of praise. Many gasp in alarm when they see me, but you take me in stride. Do you get that? I never run out of praise. Many gasp in alarm when they see me, but you take me in stride. That's powerful and inspired stuff, isn't it? And how many times is that true? Other people are like, whoo, I'm not going near that person. He or she is going to just drag me down. God never says that. Sometimes in the midst of answering the call, our call, we worry that we might fall short and be judged, just like we're talking about here. Carrie in some way felt that she fell short as a mother because she couldn't pray for that. But then she resolved that by saying, all these other people are praying for me. So we need to know under know all about that. But this whole notion of being judged. Well, if we look in the book of Hebrews, the Apostle Paul talks about this very concept of judgment. For me, it is often a concept that's not fully understood. Not sure it ever will be. Not sure I will ever understand it myself. Listen to some select verses from Hebrew. Now, and just, just in case some of you are getting worried now that I'm about to be, become the fire and brimstone preacher and bang on the pulpit and tell you that you're going to you know where. Maybe eternal fire and damnation. I'm not, not going to do that. First of all, I'm nowhere close to having that kind of power, thank God. And that that is not what Paul is talking about at all, I don't believe, in this passage from the letter to the Hebrews. Keep that in mind as you listen to Hebrews 12. It's Gene Peterson again, his translation of what the Apostle Paul is teaching. Unlike your ancestors, you don't come to Mount Sinai, all that volcanic blaze and earth-shaking rubble, to hear God speak. God's voice shook the earth to its foundations. This time God told us this quite plainly. God will also rock the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stern. Praise one last shaking means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all the historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. And then to the last sentence in the passage, God himself is fire. 
Yes, God is talking about judgment, but it's more about God setting a standard, a standard that God wants us to strive for, a standard that God wants us to constantly reach for. So you see, it's not about fearing the judgment. It is all about constantly striving to serve God better. So so you see, it's not about fearing the judgment, but it is all about continuing to grow in our faith. So you see, it's not about fearing the judgment, but it is all about seeking ways of building, seeking ways of renewing, seeking ways of strengthening, not only our understanding of and our devotion to this generous God, but also striving so that the fire is not feared, but instead the fire becomes a symbol. The fire becomes a testimony, a testimony and a symbol to the light of the world. A testimony to the Son of the living God. A testimony to our Savior and our Redeemer. A testimony to the light of the world. The redeeming and forgiving Savior. The light of the world who was and is and is to come again and again. So that all of us, all of us, all of us who believe might have eternal life and have it abundantly. We are called to a life of serving our Savior, Jesus Christ. Each one of us, each one of us is called and always striving and always needs to continue striving to be the best each of our abilities and gifts to serve God allow us to be. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for the church, those in need, and all of God's creation. Anointing God, you commission us for our ministry in daily life. You also call us to pass our faith and ministry on to the next generation. Inspire us in our equipping of others. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God of creation, you have given us all we need. Inspire us to honor your creation as an inheritance and trust. Lord, in your mercy. God of the nations, the distractions of the world draw our attention away from you. Refocus us in our commitment to your ways and the justice you desire. For the whole world and the children of the world. Lord, in your mercy. Through the fruits of your spirit, make us healers in the world. Help us bring joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control into the lives of all in need. We pray especially for Richard, Ed, Betsy, Ruth, Calvin, Les, Ruth, Denise, Betty, Jane, Donald, Madeline, Darlene, Donna, Kathy, Dawn, Ron, Annetta, Frank, Charlie, Nancy, Matthew, Jennifer, Joe, Woody, Gladys, Alan, Barry, Elaine, Renee, Carl, Mark, and all those we name in our hearts, and for the church and its well-being, Lord, in your mercy. Steadfast God, guide this congregation by your spirit, make us neighbors to each other, ready to be and receive strangers. And show us how to love our all neighbors as you intend. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. 
O God, you have called the saints your own. Gather us with them into your kingdom in the promise of life forever with you. Lord, in your mercy. We lift our prayers to you, O God, trusting your promise to hear us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. fortunate each week as we gather to bring back and give a small portion of all that we have, for all that we have indeed does belong to God. So let us at this time bring forth our tithes and our offerings.
God of mercy and grace, the eyes of all wait upon you, and you open your hand in blessing. Fill us with good things as we serve you, that we may come to the help of all in need, through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and Lord. Amen. And now let us join our voices together in praying the prayer that Jesus himself taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy earth be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now and always and unto ages of ages. Amen. Proclaim the good news. Thanks be to God.